You are listening to the Unlock Your Sound podcast. Feel free to join the discussion over at the Unlock Your Sound Facebook group. Facebook.com slash groups slash Unlock Your Sound. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Unlock Your Sound podcast. I'm Christopher Cavallio and I'm joined as always by Chris Pavey. Hey Chris. Hi Chris, how you doing? Not bad, man. How are you? Good, good, yeah. It's been a long week, but we're Love only it. on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, so what's what's on your mind? What do you want to talk about today? What's on the cards? So today we're going to do recording techniques, and we're going to try and keep it really broad. Um, we're going to be very, very careful. We don't go down tangents. However, we promise nothing. Yep. Um, Can't make any guarantees about that, I'm afraid. <laughs> Can't make any guarantees, no. Um, so what I want to do first of all is just pick apart what we think our sort of ethos views on recording are. Um, I'll just jump in really quickly. I'm a massive advocate for live recordings. I like getting people in the studio, setting them up, let, letting them balance the sound around themselves and recording it. Um, sure. Obviously, things have to be overdubbed. We have to do vocals sometimes after. You've got to do another guitar solo over the top of it. But I'm just straight out of the bag. I want to say to all listeners, I really like live sounding records. Um, for me, it's for me, it's the sound of like the 60s. I think a lot of people when they go, oh, I want my track to sound like this decade. Um, it's not just the instruments, it's not just the style, it's not just the genre, it's the recording techniques as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, you can't go into a studio with a rock band, even if they've all got the same equipment as the Stones, and set them up recording a Stones song, but overdub each uh, part on top of each other. Sure. It's not going to sound like a Stones record from 64, 66. Sure. So... I, that's just my preference. I really like that. I like the sound it gets. I like also the workflow. Yeah. I think a lot of recording techniques, it's not just the gear and how you do it. It's the workflow. Uh, it's, for me, it's faster. You get a mix quicker. The You keep the vibe going in the room, I feel, sure. with, with, with more live recordings. And also you get into play with musicians and that often creates happy accidents. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's, the most ideal thing and i mean in, in my opinion the biggest variable in the performance are the performers and you know the more they feel comfortable the more they feel like they are performing as opposed to recording i think generally the better the result going in is going to be um you know if they're a band and you know if they're a band it makes sense to record them as a band you know for yeah. me and yeah. just because they get to riff off each other and that's mm. that's how they play. That's that's what they are. They're a band. Absolutely. And I think I will I will quantify it's not it's not just um it's not just like that. I mean, someone will probably already be arguing, saying, Oh, but the Beatles were huge overdubbers sure. of instruments. And I think it's not just having them all together in a band's room they were still together in the process yeah sure like um it really was they would all talk about it and then john would go in and do his stuff then he'd come out it's not just i don't just mean they were singly recorded on their own it's yeah. still keeping keeping everyone together in the process as a band as well is a i would still call that a recording technique even though it's not a gear or a uh, yeah. a tool thing or what microphones are using I, I still find that a recording technique keeping the band together when you're producing music um, I think what we'll move into then is if you were going to record let's say drums first we'll, 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 we'll tackle the big one first how would you go about recording drums let's say for a standard pop rock group um, I mean, in terms of, in terms of gear or in terms of, or in terms of what? 
Oh, uh, just just standard like like okay, let's do drum miking technique. So oh, probably like the Grin Johns method or something as simple yeah. as possible. So, uh, for those who don't know, the Glyn Johns method. Uh, first of all, Glyn Johns, go and look up his entire catalogue of work. He's absolutely insane engineer. Yeah. Um, produced everyone you could possibly think of from the sixties, seventies. I believe he did all the Island Records people and Olympic Studio stuff. So, um, it, it's the technique of using three microphones in a triangle where they are specific distances away from each other. Yeah. So it's an overhead, a snare mic, and I can't remember where the third one is. It's not the, the, some, I can't remember. One, that there's two versions. One has the kick mic somewhere else, I think, as well. Yeah, um, sure. It, go and look it up. It's very heavily documented. It is a not an exact rule. Everyone has a... Everyone takes the Glyn Johns method and then tweaks it to the room, which yeah. actually is what he did anyway. He didn't yeah. just set up exactly the same every single time. It's it's yeah. a movable thing. It's just a good way to start a track off. But what it what it fundamentally does is it removes phase issues. Yeah. Because of what, how you space the uh, microphones in a ratio between each other. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, you know, the overheads and the snare are all the same distances from each other, like an equilateral triangle, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and and I think that straight away is one of the things that I, when I was thinking about this episode and we thought about drums, straight away I thought, what's the number one problem with recording drums? And it is phase. Yeah, phase is the um, ultimate issue with drums. Yeah. Because, you know, it's always there. It's really funny whenever you see, like, uh, students at like colleges and unis doing like their first drum recording, you can barely see the kit for microphones. <laughs> there's literally there's literally a mic on every single um, drum. Yeah, there's like four overheads, a mono overhead, like two yeah. room mics in the corner. I, I did it, and part of the reason why I first did it is because when I went to college, I had an amazing mic locker, so I was like, I'm gonna use every single microphone yeah, in this yeah, mic sure. locker. And that's fine. And actually, that's fine if in your mix process, you then mute half of them and you're yeah. just picking the ones that you want. The problem is they throw up all these microphones, say it's like 12, 14 channels. They hit playback and they go, oh, the drums sound like really flat and lifeless and there's no drive or... And you go, yeah, because you've got huge amounts of phase cancellation going on between mm. like eight of your microphones. So there's no... Like all the snare is just gone. Mm. Or there's like the symbols just sound like they've been MP3 encoded already. Yeah. That swirly, swishy sound. Yeah, yeah. And so I would just say, keep it simple with drums. I mean, part of what I love about a lot of 70s records, um, early 70s records, is they're very dry because that's the style they wanted, but they really have a lot of drive and, and power to them. And they're recorded, loads of them recorded with mono overheads. Mm. Um, I, I don't think in all the last recordings I did when I was still doing recording, I think one out of 25 I use stereo overheads for drums. I, I just love the sound of mono overheads. I find it so easy to mix. I find it so easy con to control most of the kit with as well. Um, and especially the other thing I would just say, listen, is if you're recording drums, pick a really good drummer. Yeah, I know that sounds yeah. really obvious. Um, yeah. but a really good drummer will balance themselves as they're playing. So if you're yeah. capturing it with a mono um overhead, you've got a really good clean performance. Yeah. And they'll be balancing the snare with the hi hat, with the rides and with the crash, with with the floor toms. It, it it will it will just sound good and balanced and you've only got one microphone and you think, oh, that's amazing. And then you can then, I would then have a, a mic on the snare and the kick and I'll maybe boost them up or down to balance that with the rest of the drum sound. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, for 90% of pop rock records, you want to hear the kick and the snare driving the song along and the rest of the drums are sort of just a bonus. Or that's how it sounds to me in a lot of produced records. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so I think that's something just to point as well. Obviously, with all this recording techniques, we will always say for every single instrument, your performance is largely down to the performer. Mm -hmm. um, but 
I just think that's important just to clarify, um, yeah, especially for drums. I mean, anyone wanting to sort of get started just recording drums, then start at Glyn Johns. For me, that's just an easy, yeah, um, an easy way to start. I mean, but if you are a recording engineer or a producer who specializes in speed metal, then you've already got your own thing down. Yeah, you know, exactly. and your own, and yeah. you've got your mic locker. You've got your own thing going on, your own techniques. And yeah, yeah I mean, that's the difference. Yeah, I think also with, with, with drums, because it's a very complicated, in a sense, uh, recording challenge, people immediately Google it, search for a technique, and then copy it. And you go, actually, drum, there's probably almost, there's probably the largest amount of stuff you could tweak. Yeah, the largest um, amount of variables probably. Yeah, and, and I think for me, like I've never liked the sound of a kick mic inside the um, kick drum. Uh, that's just my preference. I don't. But if I had just followed the first book that I bought in the early two thousands about drum recording, everyone was like, "Oh, AKG, uh, D one twelve, whatever," um, in the kick. Or just on the out, just on the outside of, of the hole of the kick. Well, I don't like that sound. I, I like a bit more of a backed off sound to the kick. So I I've always been tweaking my method for recording drums. I I don't I still don't have a set and fast. Oh, it should be two inches from here, or it needs to be. Sure. Or you, another one is people get very angry about you should have top and bottom snares so you can choose the best sound. Well, I go well. No, I I don't like the sound of the bottom of the snare on yeah. most records that I've ever made. Again, it's like, but there'll be people listening to this podcast who are going, oh, I always mic both the top and bottom of the snare. Okay, fine. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever works for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, own your process, but the, you know, uh, I like simplicity and yeah. especially when mixing, I like few uh, options as possible. Yeah. As few options as possible. Exactly. Yeah, I honest. mean, like, yeah, I mean, as you said in in the mixing episode, if you can throw up a mix on in Logic and just balance it, yeah, you'll you'll do that and actually go, oh, brilliant! I've only got four mics for the for the, for the drums. I can get these drums sounding really glued together and great. Yeah, in in minutes, and I don't have to mute anything. I'm going to go through and choose. Oh, I always remember getting a a mix through when I worked at a studio, and they had done like four or five drum takes, which which is fine. That's quite common, but they had so many microphones on these drums and they were oh which one which overheads am I going to use and which one of these am I going to use and I, was, I ended up just not really listening to them all yeah sure which is awful but I had a, a budget and a time constraint to deal with I'm not going to sit and listen to your 20 different room mics you thought might sound potentially good on yeah exactly drum recording so I think I think just you know I think the idea that record on as many channels as possible is kind of a, a false safety net. Like it's, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? It's kind of, it, it, obviously everyone has the best intentions. Like, oh, it'll give me more options. So I'm reducing the risk of having a bad mix in the end, but it's just not necessarily the case. You know, I don't yeah. know. I mean, it depends on the mixer. Like if the mixer has all of the time in the world and they have frankly, all the patience in the world, um, then they might go through all of that if they don't go insane, you know, um, halfway through the process of that. But um, at the end of the day, there's 24 hours in a day and get it right. Get it right yeah. at source, you know, like work hard to, I mean, you know, you know that, that saying, you know, record like there's no mixing, blah, blah, blah. That makes sense, you know, to an extent, like, you know, mm. get it right. Don't, don't be like, oh, well, mixing, we've done this, but mixing's going to solve this. Oh, we'll rebalance it in mixing or we'll adjust the phase in mixing or, or whatever. Just just get it tight, you know, work with the drummer, get a solid, uh, you know, handful of tracks that best represent the kit at the time and take it from there. Absolutely. Now, I think that's really useful. And I think... Anyone that's listening to us who's going to embark on a drum recording in the near future, I think just remember, decide what the record is. So decide what sound you're going after and then spend 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 
which is a small amount of time. If we're doing a really professional recording, we're trying to do a really good recording, spending 25 minutes letting your drummer warm up and you go around and move microphones. Yeah. They're not going to care. I mean, every drummer I've worked with always wants a good 15 or so minutes just to... Because they're going to be moving drums around, making sure the yeah. space is exactly where they want it. And, um, like, I, I never, ever set drum mics up before drummers come into the room because I know they're going to move the kit around. Yeah, sure. And the last thing they want to be doing is moving your microphones out of the way or knocking your microphone over, whatever. So just take some time listen actually listen to what the room's doing as well mm. like um that's another thing the drum room sound is a huge factor especially if you're using room mics um just be aware of the space because it is a closed mic'd instrument often but the room has huge impact on that closed mic sound absolutely um whereas you could argue guitar amps sound pretty much the same if you're closed micing them in most rooms. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, if you're going to put your, your amp in a lead-lined room yeah. um, or in a brick room, there will be variations. But a, a, a high-gained metal guitar is going to sound like a high-gained metal guitar out of that cab in 90% of the rooms in the world. Yeah. It would sound the same. So um, if you've got nothing else to say on drums, um, we'll shift that along to guitars. Sure. I think... Guitars for me, really simple. I like dynamic mics on guitars. Um, yeah, yes, condensers are absolutely fine. Again, just my preference. Uh, I really like the sound of 57s on guitar cabs about an inch away from the center of the cone. That's just my preference. If you want to go and try that, go sure. and try that. Sure. I like that sound. Um, I've always found it easy to balance an EQ and it just works for me. Um, is there any preference you have, first of all, Chris? Like, no, not, go to? not really. Um, I don't do it that often these days, but, um, you know, I, for me, it's the what's being played plus the amp, plus the cab, plus the mic, plus the room, you know, on that one percentile. But, yeah, nothing specific, to be honest with you. Yeah, okay. But, you know, um, dynamic... A dynamic mic, you know, reasonably close, pointing, you know, inwards, coming from the side on the cab. It's yeah. probably the first place that I'd start, but I'd move it around from there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, this is a funny, okay, first tangent. Um, I started off my audio career, if you want to call it that, in live sound. Yeah. Um, Which is interesting because it's where a lot of my basis in recording and how I approach music comes from, which sure. is probably why I prefer live recorded music and getting yeah. the bands together. And a very common marking technique you see in live music is 57s, draped over amps or hung down yeah. over amps. And again, there are people who would scream that's evil and diabolical and you should never do that because the sound is passing um, horizontally across the diaphragm or whatever and it's just ugh, such a long boring conversation it sounds absolutely fine for loads and loads of very high-end live gigs yeah um, if you, you can spot it in loads and loads of gigs um i've done that before and in studios and people have gone oh well what i well just listen to it first. So I think we'll just, yeah. I just wanted to clarify again, all the techniques we're saying are just our preferences. Go away and try them out. Yeah. Recording is the most fun you can have in a studio and you can just yeah, mess around. It should be a completely um, creative process. I mean, the, the person everyone jumps to in this is Sylvia Massey and she is famous for doing the most insane things in the studio. Um, I think wiring things into a potato was one of yeah, her, yeah. her things, or was it a pickle or something? I can't remember. But no, I, th I think it was a potato. I can't yeah, it, yeah, it was just, it was something insane. But like, okay, you can say, "Oh, she's insane," or that's not going to work. Or it's more her attitude to recording is, "Oh, everything I do is a massive uh, blank slate, and I'm just going to paint with any color that I've decided to." Yeah. 
choose that that morning and it may be completely different to the palette i was using yesterday well there's but... no because gar- at the end of the day there's no guarantees like even if you do this plus this plus plus this like follow a precise technique you never you, it, there's no guarantee that's going to sound good there's never you know it's never guaranteed you know yeah. and and what you said about um you know, the sound passing through uh, horizontally and stuff like that, a lot of that is actually just invalid rubbish. Like, yep. a lot, you know, a, a lot of that doesn't even yeah. add up. Technically. Yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, it goes back to like, oh, you should do this, you should do that. You know, whose record is it yeah. at the end of the day? Well, you know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. And, the, and you said about the, the sound passing horizontally. Um, yeah. any any physics any like year one physics person will explain to you very quickly how sound is not a a, a linear yeah uh, directional it's not thing. it's not the same yeah. as light like yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but again there'll be people who still go oh no it's wrong because sound the, the way the, yeah. the the sound front comes out of the and you go well uh, okay well let's do you want me to get into physics discussion? Because we because we can. Um, yeah. Like, and then we, we could can... throw down, bro. Yeah. You want to you want to you want to go phys- physics with me, bro? We can inside outside. Let's do this. You want to throw uh, down? Do you... <laughs> Throwing down the gauntlet. I'm but... ready to go, bro. Oh, uh, brilliant. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, just Chris has got completely triggered now. He's just... <laughs> Well, it took us what? How many minutes to get Chris uh, triggered? Wait, what? <laughs> I we need to. Oh, if this was like video, I'd throw that triggered meme thing into there. You know? <laughs> yeah. Some. Oh, it'll be in the uh, Facebook comments in the post that yeah. we put this out. On. Yeah. Yeah. Triggered. That moment when when Chris got massively triggered. Come at me, bro. <laughs> Sorry. Ah. <laughs> uh. Oh, we dear. tried so hard to not make so it hard, yeah. nerdy and stupid this one. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, well, this is going to get people even more angry, Chris. So, like, I mean, what DI, what DI box are you using? Because if you're using a Bayering, a DI box, mate, you may as well just pack up and jog on. I don't, like, pu- I don't publicly disclose the <laughs> DI box of choosing. I, uh, so, this reminds me of... Um, for once, it wasn't the uh, it wasn't the very famous uh, audio forum that gets people angry when we mention it. Um, beginning with G. Um, <laughs> um, it wasn't that forum. It was another forum, and they would there was there was just it, it. My sorry, my eyes were drawn to it because the 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 thread was the best DI box, and that just made me laugh. Yay. Because, again, if we want to discuss the electrical um, properties and signal flow of a DI box, yes, listeners, there are some differences. However, as we've always said, the percent is so minutely, stupidly, ridiculously small. If you're trying to make a really cool recording, you should just use the one that's nearest to you. However, there was a massive thread in this about the Bayringer. It's like just, it's got a it's got like an actual number name like DX one o one or something, and people right. were, people were arguing the difference between different Bayringer DI boxes. Let me you just know, repeat that. You know, Chris, people were discussing the differences between different models of the same Bayringer DI box. Chris, I I turned thirty recently, and. <laughs> And since turning 30, I'm becoming more and more aware of my mortality. And, <laughs> you know, because of that, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do my best. Uh, I'm trying to do <laughs> my very best to value my time. And when, when, when people, when I, when I hear of things like this, when people actually spend time discussing, you know, uh, variances between the same brand of DI boxes, I, I do wonder, you know, Chris, like because <laughs> do do these people do these people do do these people think that you know they've got infinite time? This this break from non-existence is infinite for them, that they can spend time on online forums comparing <laughs> DI boxes. Uh, do you know what? You know? I think the answer is so simple, Chris. 
they were a person on the internet and they had an opinion. I mean, do the equation, man. It's got to come out some way. They couldn't just sit there and but you get one life. You get one life. <laughs> you get one life. Choose. Basically, you should come out of the womb and the doctor says, look, what DI box are you using? Can we just clarify it now? Can you just, can you? <laughs> uh, I will save you about a day of your life in your mid-twenties when this will inevitably come up, as we know. I mean, we're all prepared for it. Like, as you go through school, parents and teachers prepare for your discussion online about DI boxes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think if you just choose the one when you're born, then get over with and, you, and, and you're done. You you've now removed that huge part, a huge problem in your life is gone. Why can't, why can't they just tell me at birth what my DI box preference should be? You know, that's what they should oh, just no, tell no, me. Oh, no, no, because, because uh, like, that is taking away the choice from the child. And right, yeah, you sorry. You can't do that. Yeah, so, I, that's right. Sorry, it's a very back, serious backwards. hot topic. No. Yeah. Oh, mate, Twitter's going to blow up now. Yeah. Chris is advocating Did... forced DI preference <laughs> choices on, 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 on minors. Oh, oh dear. Oh, we're going to get all we're going to get all the messages now, aren't we? This is the worst. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Again, tangent, but I'm sure there's someone um, if there's one person who's laughed along with us, then uh, God bless you. You know, someone's um, going to draw like parallels to like politics and stuff like oh, that. Oh, I'm it's sure gonna, they will. I mean, that get would, out of hand. You got have you not realised this entire podcast is like a microcosm joke about the Trump administration? Oh, did no one else pick up oh, on that? He said it. <laughs> <laughs> he said the T word. The, the black <laughs> helicopters are coming in now. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Right. So shall we? So, just to be serious, a point, DI boxes, yes, it's great. I think, again, uh, if you've got a really nice amp, please mic it. If you haven't got an amp, DI is absolutely fine. There are absolutely amazing, top quality, brilliant amp modeling plugins available now. Yeah, I mean, um, if you don't have an amp, just plug it in, you know, yeah. uh, to your interface. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm if you're you know, going through pre's or whatever, or you've yeah. got a different signal chain. But again, just the the idea of the, the point I want to get across is people go, oh, you should always di and cabinet, and then you blended mix the two. Uh, oh. Yes, yes, you can. That's that 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 is a way of doing it. But um, <clears throat> we will come on to the end of the podcast about committing. Um, and one of the things I like to do is commit when I make a, a record. So if I'm liking the vibe of this amp. I'm not going to worry too much about the fact that I need some clean signal for the low mids that I can boost in the chorus. I'm, mm. I'm not worrying about that. Mm. Um, but just generally, like uh, I have no preference over um, amp modelers. Uh, when I very first started in music, doing this, uh, doing like small productions, it was at the very early days of what was the Line Six thing called? Pod. That's it. The pod. Um, yeah. Uh, I had a for all those people that are absolutely dying to know what Chris Pavey started out on. It was the uh, <laughs> Line Six Tone Port UX, right? No X XU something. Absolute top quality piece of kit. I mean, no converter shame needed there. No. Um, this thing was goes to zero to minus one hundred nineteen dB full scale, mate. Four. <laughs> Four. <laughs> Check out that headroom. Wow. No, um, um, <laughs> Lynn, Lynn, <laughs> Lynn, check out the headroom on this. She's <laughs> got very large headroom. Oh, uh, listeners, listeners, we, we've just been joined by Alan Partridge. Yeah. Oh, Lynn. Lynn. Yeah. Check out the headroom on that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> check out those TDH values there. Oh, plus noise. Oh. Okay, so again, if if there is no oh, one from dear. um from the sort of late nineties in England who don't understand what we're talking about, please Google Alan Partridge. Such um, bad, this is such bad content. Oh, it's brilliant! <laughs> I love it. We, we, we just do we just do an impression podcast. We just sit around doing impersonations of Alan Partridge. This is we are getting dangerously close to um the trip. Have you ever seen that? 
it's really, it's really, really funny you mention that because it's kind of how I base our relationship. <laughs> I haven't quite worked out if you're Steve Coogan and I'm Rob Brydon, or you're Rob Brydon and I'm Steve Coogan. I think it's, I'm... I think it's sometimes, sometimes like it's one way and sometimes it's the other way. It's a little bit like that with me and Thomas, you know. Yeah, if we start doing James Bond impersonations, then then we know we've we've, we've truly gone down a very dark hole and we will need rescuing uh, <laughs> we already need we, we needed rescuing uh you know my triggering from like di boxes and stuff dude we we named an episode um mastering dither shame no Master- uh, yeah yes dear yeah, yeah dither no dither mastering with the shame was it or should it could it be that i can't, I can't remember. remember mastering dither shame i think was it yeah. a hashtag though i think it was a hashtag yeah good Still has, it still hasn't been trending on Twitter. Come on, guys. Get Come together. Come on, guys. Yeah. Get that, get that tweets going out. We, right. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Let's uh, carry on. Yeah, let's... Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> we, we, are we doing a podcast? Oh. <laughs> when? Um, when? Turn up the game. Um, vocals. Yeah. Uh, we've already said before, and it's been widely broadcast by both of us in a previous episode, we don't like... Uh, very upfront, tight vocals. Um, room noise is your friend. Um, yeah. Don't don't worry about having the uh, the vocalist like lips touching the capsule. If you want that sound, that's fine. Yeah, sure. Um, but also, don't record them in a completely dead room. Um, yeah. And again, again, again. That's just my... no. I will say that actually uh, because I think. From a, a sort of a newer person to the recording game, I would, I think it'd be more beneficial for you to record a person in a slightly more live room than a very tight vocal booth because I think you'll find it much easier to see in a mix. You know, man, like that was actually going to be sort of my top tip for this episode is, I and I'm trying to find, I've been trying to think of a way to sort of phrase it, but it's not. It's not all about clean, dead tracks, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're not, it's making, not all about we're that. We're not making. We're not making uh, like perfect. Uh, if <sighs> recordings shouldn't sound perfect, exactly. In my opinion, exactly. And I think when they when they do, they lose that thing which draws people in. Yeah. They, 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 then they lose like, you know, when you're mixing and it just, the vocals sound like they're on a string detached from the rest of the mix. Yeah. I, I don't know how else to describe that, no, but it's like know, poking yeah, out, you know? I know exactly what you mean. It's almost like someone is singing. It's like you're listening to someone doing karaoke. Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah. where you're like, Oh, I can hear That's the music. That's really good. That is really can... good, Chris. That was good. Sorry. Well, to shout what you that at you I mean... just now. <laughs> Are you a little bit triggered that I nicked your top tip? No, man. I just the karaoke thing. That was spot on. <laughs> like you know, when it's just it's the sound of two recordings. Like yes, you know what I mean. Yeah, that is exactly it. It 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 just sounds like oh, the music is over here. And the vocals over here, they, they yeah. might as well have been panned hard left and hard right. In my brain, that's just how it, it feels. I'm like, oh, yeah, the music's yeah. over here. The vocals are here. I'm trying to make you, f- I'm trying to fool the listener into making it sound like a live record. Yeah. Because when people listen to music, I don't know what, what you listeners have in your mind's eye. When I listen to music, I picture the band playing a live gig. Sure. And loads of people I've spoken to have the same thing. They, uh, they picture it. They Absolutely. don't picture someone standing in four different booths across a big studio recording their parts a cappella and then the guitars on their own and the drum. If you want it to sound as a cohesive thing. Yeah. And I think because I think because vocals suffer from people listen to vocals back on their own after recording, which I think is the single worst thing you can do after you've recorded vocals. Sure. Because sure. you're only gonna hear the creak of the stand, yeah. the slightly background noise floor hiss. For some reason, you've, maybe you've gained up a little bit too much. Not a problem. 
your your noise form might be higher um and you listen to it in that sort of not it's not a context you're just listening to the yeah, raw yeah. recording and you kind of go oh well that sounds a bit odd or always always listen to your first pass of the recording with the song yeah in the just mix. from a just from a mental attitude point of view because yeah, yeah. it will give you a good perspective on oh no actually i think yeah. you need to sort of rise and fall with the with the guitars a bit here like can you yeah like we can do it with automation but i think you could really play off this bit you then have those conversations not the singer coming in going oh i hate the sound of my voice because yeah. every singer comes in after the first or second yeah. take and goes that was rubbish can we do it again just help yourself a bit in the recording process if you're not if you're not absolutely certain what you're going to do try and record it in a nice sounding room not a completely dead dry lifeless cupboard yeah. um because again lots of new people to this sort of world will make the little booth out of a wardrobe with loads of stuff around it. And and that's fine because that's that's that is a technique. But just try it in the middle of the room or Yeah, yeah, exactly. If it's... Exactly. Like I, 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 actually Chris, um I would just in, I would just interject here. Um if it's a completely square room, don't stand them right in the center of the room because oh, you God. will get issues there. Um <laughs> Oh. I'm just doing. I'm just doing the voice. I'm just doing the voice of someone that yeah, would say no, that. No, actually, if you're standing, it's like... actually, yeah, it's... yeah. No, no. Just choose. Just just stand in a room. If it's your bedroom or living room or on the stairs, actually, please don't record. Well, actually, no. Try on the stairs, but please don't fall over. Um, or in a bathroom, like who cares? Just if the sound's right, get them to sing yeah, in there. Yeah move around like just don't don't worry too much about it but i just feel that a i will be able to mix a record that has a bit of life and body to the sound i think i can pull away more of that than i can put into a dry room yeah sure i can remove some noise i can remove some reverby echoey sound yeah. kind of i can't really put life into a dry record i find it yeah, easier it's difficult to, to it's pull difficult. away than put back because it's what the difficult part of it is like knowing what like when there's already liveliness in the recording that decision of how it should sound is already made absolutely so because yeah. because then otherwise you're in the mix cycling through endless reverb presets without any purpose you yeah, know, yeah, and... because you you haven't got anything to accentuate, have you? Yeah, you're 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 not adjusting a space. You're trying to create yeah. a space. And I think I think what it is, a lot of new people start out and they go, "Oh, cool, I'm going to start recording stuff or I'm going to start music production," and then in their brain, they they've probably seen from music videos or just you know like just prevailing sentiment told them that they need to put acoustic foam everywhere because they need a dead recording because that's the best thing to do yeah, yeah. where that, oh yeah and that's just not necessarily the case you look you know like like the i was i, was, I think i was having this sort of conversation on reddit <laughs> recently <laughs> and someone was like oh how do i what do i do with my room to kill it dead i was like work with it don't fight it like yeah. don't you know just because, it, it, and he said something along the lines of, I don't want it to sound like I'm in the bedroom. No one's going to think that. Like, just yeah. make it sound good. Like, yeah. you know, work with the room. And the thing is, and this is actually a really, really important point, which I've wanted to make somehow for a while. Even a single room doesn't have one sound. It's completely relative to where you are in the room. Like... That is um, that's such a huge variable. Most rooms can actually sound good if you know where to put the mic. Yep. Uh, one of the coolest things I saw a friend of mine do once, we were in a studio, and he laid his guitar amp on the floor um, and played it facing up into the ceiling. It sounded absolutely insane. Yeah. Changed entire... We got another room sound yeah. from exactly the same room by tilting it back. I don't think it was flat on its back. I think it was like at 45 degrees or, yeah. or it was a bit, a bit more than that. But again, it was just like, just be creative. Don't yeah. think, I know it's one of those annoying phrases and oh, I hate saying it, really think outside of the box. 
just it, a lot of this is fear and actually all yeah, it the is questions fear. It's, I get it's fud. from novices yeah um which is not a derogatory term it's just people are novices in, in these things sometimes yeah we all start as, out as, as novices as a wheel, yeah i think fear is the biggest hold back for people yeah it just people go oh well i don't i'm not sure i can do that well or is it okay to do that of course it is you go yeah like the whole bedroom thing i don't want everyone to know it's in a bedroom well unless there's someone who's got a room analysis measurement thing in their brain that when they listen to music they go oh that's in a uh, 10 by 11 yeah. uh, with uh, this rock wall uh, insulation and yeah. it's got a door in the left no no sorry right hand corner I do apologise um, <laughs> no one's got that so just yeah don't worry about it just just yeah. I think from from the whole vocal conversation which was I'm sorry listeners we went far too long into that but I think just just listen. Yeah. Go and get a singer to go and say say you're in a say you're in a house. Go and get your singer to wander around. Yeah. If you've got the space to do that, just get them to wander around the place you have, standing corners, facing out, facing in. If you've got a reflection filter, you want to use it just to deaden something down. Try that. Try it. Just just change. Just use everything you've got. Um. Again, there are people saying, sit down, stand up. I like singers standing up so they can move, but other people have gone, oh, but then they move and they might hit the stand or there's foot noise. Oh, so what? what if this? What if that? Um, you know, like... like and if, yeah. yeah, there's there's always reasons not to do something. Absolutely. I think just just take... you Use a vocalist exactly how you'd use an instrument yeah. and move them around. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, they're not going to get annoyed if you make a really awesome sounding recording. Yeah, exactly if, exactly. if you have to achieve that by suspending them upside down, hanging the microphone eleven inches from their nose while swinging it backwards and backwards and forwards, so they get a weird change in distance between the microphone and their mouth every three seconds, then do it. Um, <laughs> that is a very very bizarre set of circumstances, but who knows? Um, yeah, I think one more point I'd like to make on that: a room isn't a bad thing. Like. Yeah. Just because you're in a room and it has uh, surfaces and those surfaces create reflections, that is not inherently a bad thing. I think there's like this notion that that is a bad thing and we have to eliminate it immediately. That's yeah. That's not the case. Like well, it's actually a good thing if you if you just just spend some time with it, learn it. Yeah. You know, there's a um, a really interesting book by a guy called Phil Brown, who's an engineer. And he talks about in one of his, oh, I can't remember, it might be Robert Palmer, I can't remember. He, he was recording a vocalist in the late 70s, I think. Um, and they, they were trying to go for this dead, the whole of, this, the, whole of the late 70s is dead sounding records. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were trying to capture this vocalist. And I think in the end, they were in sort of some manor house out somewhere in England. And they recorded him outside across a lake. So there's no reflection from him into the microphone. Uh, now, that tells you everything you need to know about record production in the 70s and 80s <laughs> with decadence. Now, you could argue, yes, that's decadence. I would also argue he had the facility to try that out and it may have sounded amazing. But if you haven't got the opportunity to hire a mansion in the Lake District and have someone standing on the edge of a like so they can sing into a microphone with no reflections um please try it please get in touch please get in touch and send us that recording yeah but like again it was that i just wanted to flip on its head for a second and go yes try and use everything go insane if you have to because you never know what you might find along the way and also you'll find out what not to do yeah um there's no fast way of learning and making mistakes yeah good um Levels. Levels. I want to briefly talk about levels. We've discussed it at length in the past. Just wanted to keep it in context of recording. Um, don't clip. Don't overdrive. Uh, if you've bought an interface from, like, let's just make an arbitrary number, 2005 onwards, please don't worry about the signal to 
signal to noise ratio of your interface preamps. Um, Worry more about the signal to noise ratio of the signal rather yeah. than the medium, like because that's actually all nearly always for the most part going to be smaller than the actual signal to noise ratio of the converters that you're hitting, you know? Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's one thing actually. The medium just because the medium is something doesn't mean what you're recording is going to be that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, the converters I use have a signal to noise ratio of x whatever. Doesn't mean the signal is going to have that. The signal might already be way more, or might already have a way smaller dynamic range. That's why. Yeah. That's why, like, people always, you know, this kind of uh, notion that I should use all the bits. It's it's <laughs> like it's like, and I should record as hot as possible to get all the twenty four bits. That's yeah. not how it works. No, that is not how it works because. You know, unless you were literally synthesizing a sinusoidal sweep or something like that, mm. you know, um, uh, an amplitude sweep or something like that, you know, your signal, your sound, the thing that you are recording has a noise floor. Yeah. And I can nearly guarantee that even if you record with plenty of headroom, that dynamic range is probably going to be smaller than the 24 bits that you're recording onto. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. If if we're gonna go and record the next SpaceX shuttle launch, yes, we'll we'll be very grateful for our um, large dynamic range. But yeah. as you said, like just just keeping it really really simple. I think an issue people have is down to the interface they have, not the quality of it, and not the way it's put together. It's to do with the metering on those devices, and often they have a green and a red light. Yeah, and yeah. People yeah, just turn right. it all the way up until they can't. Until the red light goes on, oh, we'll back it off from that. That's my level. Yeah, and, like there's people think that's a sweet spot, and, and yeah, and to be honest, uh, someone, someone, you know, someone, um. There's now this thing going around of the digital sweet spot. There is no such thing as a digital sweet spot. The digital by nature doesn't have a sweet spot. <laughs> like it's it's linear. Oh, it's linear up and down. Di right? Digital sweet spot is the most depressing thing yeah, you've said on this dude, podcast. There's a, there's now. a there's a oh. there's a very popular YouTube video out there from a very popular person oh, that no. says that and I nearly threw up in my face. You know, like that is just oh yeah. Goodness. I mean, the what they were getting at was actually um, just record with headroom, right? But because digital sweet spot is kind of grabby, isn't it? You know, even though it's something that doesn't exist. Yeah. Just if for me, it's simple. Just go green, go low, record low, keep it green. You're fine. You know, the meters inside your computer are green, yellow, and red for a reason, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just, just yeah. keep that, keep it low. Yeah. That's fine. Again, like, I, again, it's, it's, you always sit with two schools of thought because it's normally an age thing, but I love the U-meters because it was what was on the desk when I was being taught how to record. Yeah. And I'm very lucky from that because I, I just, I can... Uh, if I know what the ballistics are of the VU uh, yeah. meter, because yeah. they can change different units, but I, I can sort of look at a VU meter and get very quickly go, oh, okay, I know where I am. Yeah, that's cool. I, I know what's happening loudness-wise. Um, if you can get that same uh, thing with, with digital meters, brilliant. If you can get that same thing with a plug-in you're using or the meters in Logic, um, experiment. Yeah. Uh, so if you've got a guitar or a bass guitar or whatever and you could plug it in, just change, just play harder, change the gain, change the gain down, uh, change the gain on the guitar. Just spend maybe an hour today or tomorrow yeah. just messing around with and seeing what the extent of your converters are, seeing what yeah. you'd like. Um, uh, try and see how low you can record. Record it, go into a door and then gain it up in the yeah. door yeah. and see if you can hear a noise floor. Yeah. Well, one thing that is really, really important, that, and uh, this is where a lot of, especially, you know, newcomers 
get really, really confused. If you like the room that I'm in, the loudness of the room, if you like, of the reflections is always proportional to the sound making them. Always. Yeah. Um, if you if you're turning down the gain, everything else is going down with it. If you're turning up the gain, everything comes up with it. It doesn't change the ratio of noise to signal inside the room. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people say, oh, but if I turn down the gain, wouldn't it be wouldn't that be more noise to signal? I'm like, no. That's no. Because you're you're turning everything up or down proportionately. Yeah. You're just giving yourself headroom, you know. Yeah. Does that does that no, make absolutely. sense? Like, because that's yeah, something no, that makes sense. I get pushback yeah. on that. That's the sort of pushback I get. I'm like, that's not how it works. As long as the singer is singing at the same volume, um, yeah. you know, uh, the point was, like, as long as everything is the same, like, uh, in as long as the singer, sorry, is like at the same distance from the microphone relative to the nearest yeah. uh, surfaces, the relative volume between the reflections and the source signal is going to be the same you know and actually that's something that's a really good point you made there for all the things you're going to record never ever be afraid to tell the band or the performer to turn up or down um yeah sure because you you gotta remember you can adjust what they hear separate to what you're recording uh, most interfaces and software and doors have monitoring paths which you can do things with and you can split things out and you can have yeah. a completely different headphone mix. Let them worry about what they want. And you just said, if you're saying to them, no, look, I want you to come a bit closer to the mic. I want you to but, but sing more forcefully. But then when we get to the chorus, lean back, back off. Give them direction. Yeah, coach them. Same with... Same with guitarists. If the guitarist is turning up their gain on their amp because they want to hear more of themselves, go in and say, no, I'm going to put it back where it is. I will now go and adjust your feed to your yeah. headphones. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, engineers, including myself, fall into that mistake of letting the band run the session. And yeah. that's not helpful. It never works. Um, unless the band are a insanely big, huge band that have been recording for the last 30 years. Even then, they can still be idiots and try and run the session. Yeah. Um, but you got to remember, if it's your domain, you're setting the recording, you have control of the session. Yeah. Um, if you're the producer, that is literally your job. That is literally yeah, what exactly. being a music producer is. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're the glue. You're the, mm. you know, the director. It, again, so that also comes into the, the next thing. If you move to the levels, about committing... Um, Committing and recording is a thing which doesn't happen anymore because of the completely non-destructive nature of most digital workstations. Sure. Uh, we could record 10 tracks of audio, do everything to it, control the everything, and get back our clean recordings again. Yeah. That's amazing. If you gave that opportunity to anyone in the 50s or 60s or 70s or 80s, They'd have gone, oh, that's amazing, brilliant. We haven't got to use tape anymore. Yeah. I haven't got to worry about degradation of tape after so many runs or whatever. Yeah. And I don't have to commit to my choices now. Yeah, exactly. I can change the them problem, later. The problem with that is, is you have uh, artists, engineers, producers who will never finalise anything, will keep one foot out the door at all costs. And the problem is that's great if you're confident because you, you, you're just keeping it as a safety net that you never that you know you're you're never going to use and then there are people who are literally sat in the safety net yeah and never move forward and the problem with that is is that you never it stunts creativity yeah you never fully let go of the process yeah. you're always going oh well I'm not sure about her vocal i think for her vocal it needs to ha it needs to have less reverb yeah Mm, actually, has the whole track got a real problem? Mm, do the drums sound a little bit dry? Or, and then you literally go down this, you've slid down this slope from yeah. one little point. But because you can change everything, you will. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a psychological thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. you, you just got to commit because when push comes to shove, 
you got to get it done you know yeah. and having lots of options is not always a good thing i, I kind of touched on this earlier um and you'll just spend more time and you'll just lose perspective faster and you just and no one's going to be happy yeah the, the the very first time i recorded through a compressor i got it completely wrong um i completely messed up the recording that i was doing um i didn't like how it sounded afterwards i had no backup of it i recorded straight through a compressor into the door but i learned exactly what i didn't like about yeah, my compressor yeah. yeah i learned i learned what i did like i learned what i need to next time did it again still committed through it i tried not to let it phase me about oh now i need to make sure i make a backup or split split the audio or record it first then send it back out i think the same way an artist might come in and go i've written most of the lyrics but i need to finish the chorus and i want to do it when we're, when we're recording because it might come to me that's still commitment on their part they are waiting for the vibe to flow with them you might be able to create a more amazing vibe or sound in the studio by committing and again you could argue you could record everything clean save it another project open everything in a new project then commit to stuff by reamping it or sending it back out to gear or rendering with plugins and keeping um sort of, sort of bouncing up uh stems with plugins so you've got the, just the audio not not, not the yeah. plugin running yeah you could do that um and then you still have the, the the big safety net but it's a bit harder to go back and change on you may want to redo it all i just think experiment with what you're comfortable with but i can almost guarantee you if you have the opportunity to record in a studio and you can track through some through some awesome gear eqs compressors whatever or the thing I used to love doing is recording through actual reverb. Yeah, uh, sure. If you, if you have access to a plate or um, reamping it out into a room with a great sound, there's nothing quite like it. Yeah, plugins yeah, yeah. are awesome. Absolutely. Plug, don't get me wrong, plugins are awesome, but it's something about the process. It's more the physical thing of doing yeah. it. It's, it. It gives you a good vibe and you feel good about it. And you know you, that's it as well. You know that's what you've yeah. got. You know. Yeah. And again, we said there's nothing more fun than recording it all, literally playing it back and going, oh, wow, that sounds cool. Yeah. It's already there. Um, again, vocalists come back in the studio, they listen back, they hear their voice without any reverb or sound or space, and they go, oh, it sounds rubbish. And you go, wait a second. The quicker you can get some plugins on there to put some reverb or delay or, 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 or add it to the double track you've already done, then play it back to them and they go, oh, it sounds really cool. Um, mm. It's the same recording, but you've added to it. But if you can get it done quicker by having already there, use it. Indeed. Indeed. Cool. Um, any other points on that list? I think we've covered a good amount of stuff. There's still loads we could talk about, but I think we'll end it there. I think we've covered some big points and if anyone has got um if anyone's gone oh i would really like you to talk about this aspect of recording yeah please email us um if you could email all questions to the email that's in the show notes below yeah that'd be amazing we are looking to do a um q a episode yeah um in the very near future we're going to collate some uh emails and questions together then we'll answer your questions um on the podcast um, we think that'd be a really useful uh, thing for people. Um, so yeah, we would love to hear your questions. Um, yeah, great, excellent. Uh, well, thanks as always, Chris. And I just want to say to everyone listening, uh, we officially launched this just a few days ago, wasn't it? Like Saturday. Yeah. Today's Wednesday, and yeah. uh, so far the feedback has been amazing. Yeah. Um, we're really, it's been really, yeah. Yeah, we're really been, grateful to people listening in and it's been a long time coming. So, but if you do have any, you know, feedback, anything that we could do better or whatever, please just let us know. Um, and you know where Absol to get us. Absolutely. All the links will be in the show notes and stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. We're still learning, we're still learning the uh, podcast game. Um, yeah. 
if you'd like to leave us a review on iTunes, that'd be really useful. The more yeah. reviews we get, the higher we get pushed up the rankings. We yeah. can get to access more people. At the end of the day, um, it sounds very sort of twee and stuff, but we want this podcast to just to help people. Yeah. The more people we can get it to, the more people we can help. Yeah. We love sharing knowledge. We like building a community. It's what Unlock Your Sound is all about. We 100%. want to build a community of engineers and people who want to just chat about audio stuff, make better recordings, and fill the world with lovely music. Love it. There we go. Couldn't say it better That's myself, our, mate. There's the pitch for it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, we will see you. No, we won't see you. We will talk to you next no, time. No, that doesn't work <laughs> at all. We will. We will. We will talk to you all again very, very soon. We have this podcast and another podcast coming out probably end of this week, early next week. We'll try and space them out a bit more. Sure. Um, and again, if you have any ideas for episodes or things you want us to talk about, email us. The email is in the show notes. And have a great time mixing and making music, guys. Love it. Have a good time, guys. 